Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. Well, we're going to do a little looking back in history. I know none of you remember her personally, but Bertha Benz, 1988, the wife of German auto engineer Carl Benz. She was the first person to complete a long-distance trip by automobile, made history in her own way. But I found a comment about Bertha Benz on Jalopnik, J-A-L-O-P-N-I-K.com. They say Bertha that was very involved in the whole process of what Carl was doing and had a keen engineering mind as well. You may not know that she helped finance his exploits in developing the car. So there we go. Let's fast forward to today. Females are running automotive plants. Yes, they are. They're designing cars. They're propelling the automotive industry ahead into the future. This is a topic we haven't covered yet in three years on the future of cars with game changers. All I'll say under my breath is tisk tisk tisk. We have gathered a panel of powerful female automotive leaders. They're going to talk about what women are doing in automotive today. They're going to share their playbooks on how women can manage smarter. Well, we all want that in any industry how we, I'll say we, me, up our game, and how we can address the ongoing issue of gender disparity. That's a polite term, and you know what it means, in the automotive sector. Very happy to be here, and we've got a wow show for you, I promise that. So let's see who our guests are. Let me just tell you who they are briefly, and then we'll start with their quotes. First up, in just a moment, it will be my great pleasure to introduce you to Pamela Niekamp, N-I-E-K-A-M-P. She's a vice president of Client Solutions at Nielsen, and we'll find out what she does in a few minutes. Joining her is Meg DeVito, D-I-V-I-T-T-O, if you want to look her up, Principal at DeVito Design Group, formerly with IBM. And rounding out the panel is Ellen Sassone, S-A-S-S-O-N, Automotive Industry Advisor with SAP. Welcome, ladies. Pamela Niekamp has sent me a quote from Brene Brown, who is a research professor at the University of Houston, where she holds the Huffington Foundation. Um, Let me see. She has the endowed chair at the Graduate School of Social Work. Uh, She gave Brene Brown her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, is one of the top five most viewed TED Talks in the world with over 30 million million views. I'll just leave it there. Here's the quote Pamela has selected from Brene Brown. Quote, you can choose courage or you can choose comfort, but you can't choose both. Welcome, Pamela. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm well, and I'm thrilled to be with you here today. We are delighted. We are delighted. Talk to me about this quote from Brene Brown. I've heard the name before, Pamela, but I have never looked into who she was. And she has so many books, four New York Times bestsellers, The Gift of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rise Strong, Brave the Wilderness, The Courage to Stand Alone. Powerful woman, and you're a powerful woman as well. So tell me what this quote means. Well, thank you, Bonnie. And first of all, I must 
uh, say a caveat. I'm uh, getting over a cold here, so if I sound a bit like Marge Simpson on the call, I have apologies um, <laughs> to all. But um, yeah, uh, Brene Brown has been just um, her books have have been life changers for me, and uh, part of the reason behind that is as a woman who spent my career, you know, primarily in the automotive industry. I've uh, been very focused on being strong and not being perceived as weak or vulnerable or showing, you know, any emotion. And what I learned from reading Brene's uh, books and articles and watching her TED Talks is that, in fact, you know, the opposite is the case, that, that allowing yourself oneself to share your vulnerabilities and show your weaknesses is actually a, a strength. Um, mm-hmm. And draw can draw you um, closer uh, to to your colleagues, to your family, to your friends. And so, it, I've really changed my entire thought process about how I approach the job. But the the part about the courage or comfort that to me speaks directly to the automotive industry is, I can certainly say that for myself, 30 years ago, when embarking on a career in automotive, uh, that wasn't the the safe or the comfortable choice for me. And and I venture to say that it's it's still the case today for many women that. That automotive isn't, you know, tops on their list uh, when they consider a career path. Um, and that's, I think, a shame because um, there are so really a, a, a wealth of opportunity um, that exists in the automotive field for, for young, talented young women and men. It takes courage to, to make a choice that maybe goes a bit against the grain or is it what you had thought you might do. I know in my case... Uh, Ford uh, Motor Company offered me a position uh, freshly out of grad school, and um, they offered me a company car and relocated me to Huntington Beach, California. And those, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I must say that those were the, the two primary <laughs> reasons that I, that I took the role, um, but I'm so glad that I did because it's been life-changing for me and led to you know, many years longer career um, in automotive. Now, just briefly, Pamela, what did you do that made Ford come to you with this great offer? What what was your strength? Was it something specifically in automotive? Was it that you loved cars? Excuse me for saying that. Uh, was it a bumper sticker? Was it your managerial talents? What was it specifically that drew them to you at that time? Well, my dad likes to say that it was because uh, he had purchased for me, uh, for a graduation gift, a, a brand new Ford Mustang. <laughs> and so they put the two together, new owner of a vehicle and new, newly minted uh, graduate degree, and, and therefore they made the offer. I, I hope it's more than that. Um, at the time, though, to be honest with you, Bonnie, Ford was made a concerted effort to, to bring more women into its ranks of, at that time, the field organization, which was uh, the individuals who were calling on the dealers and, and working with the dealers to improve their, their service and their sales efforts. And so uh, the field organization force was made up almost entirely of men. In fact, uh, many of the dealers I called on said I was the first female zone manager they had ever had. Um, and, you know, Ford was really making an effort to change that. And so I think that they looked for um, women with, with, you know, strong backgrounds, uh, good GPAs. That was, a, that was a priority for them at the time and um, that they thought would be a fit with their, the organization. And that's how I got the role. Well, I think they were very forward-looking at the time. I have a quick sidebar to tell you. I know that Meg and Ellen are waiting, but uh, I, I moved to a community here in Durham, North Carolina, after 35 years in New York, and I was emceeing some community talent shows and things like that, and I walked out to the parking lot of the community center one day, one evening after I, I was finished with whatever gig I was doing, and somebody said to me, is that your little sports car over there? And I said, yes, as I walked to my car, and he said, we're having a road rally on Saturday. We'd love to have you join the road rally. So 
so he gave me his email address, and it was turns out it was a group of men with sports cars of all different years and vintages. Fascinating. And I emailed the guy, and I said, well, I'd like somebody to drive with me. He said, you have to find your own person, your own partner. And I said, I just moved here. I don't know anybody. So the word got out, and they moved people around, and somebody came to me and said, I'm going to skip driving with with Bob. I'm going to come and, and drive with you. I was the only female who owned a sports car in the rally. There were three wives who either drove their husband's cars or cars they co-owned. I was the only single gal with a sports car. Put the top down, October. It must have been around 55 degrees drove through the countryside for two hours with a big red hat on and had a ball. So am I now a woman in the automotive industry, Pamela? (laughs) I love that story, Bonnie. Yes, yes, you are. Maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. Maybe that's where my future lies. Thank you. Excuse me for the sidebar. Meg DeVito, you've been very patient. Meg at DeVito Design Group. And Meg has sent us a wonderful quote from Albert Einstein. We haven't heard this quote in a while, and I think it bears repeating. Uh, The quote is something very famous. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And everybody knows who Einstein is, so I won't go into that. Meg DeVito, welcome, and how are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I haven't had a guest say she's amazing or he's amazing in uh, 1,100 shows and 4,000 guests, and I'm happy to hear that you're amazing. I love that answer. Meg, talk to me about the quote. How is this applicable to our topic today? Well, it it speaks to me and has spoken to me for a while. Um, As being a leader of many different engineering teams, small and large, um, you really have to start to forward think about when you're developing new products and new new things in an industry like the automotive industry, you can't just keep expecting things to change by continuing to be to your knitting. You need to break out, do breakout thinking, look at innovations, and if something doesn't produce the result, you have to change it. And engineers by nature don't necessarily do that. Right? They don't necessarily say, they just keep saying, if I work harder, it'll get better or I will get the product done. And especially in like cutting edge new technology areas where I have been my entire career, you've got to get to breakthrough thinking. And so this has been the moniker for the teams I've led, whether they be three people or a thousand people about, you know, let's just be realistic. If we're not getting what we need, we need to change it. We need to design differently. We need to ask our clients. We just need to get to a different place so that we get to that success factor. Thank you. And how did you get into automotive, Meg? Let's, let's do this as part of our introduction of the panelists. How did you start? What appealed to you about the industry? Well, I was uh, good in science and math, and all my family was in medical, and I passed out at the sight of needles, so realized that wasn't for me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I had a remote uncle who worked for Ford. He was an electrical engineer, and he thought, you know, kind of mentored me softly, and I needed to pay for my own schooling, so I went to a school called uh, General Motors Institute of Technology, which was at the time known for being able to go for co-op for five years and pay for your entire school bill, and that seemed really attractive to me. It made practical sense. I started at 18 as a co-op in a powertrain lab, didn't even know what that was since everybody was non-technical in my family and loved it from day one. And it just was every day was a new day of learning. I love learning and the learning has never stopped. 
I am totally impressed and blown away with, with both you and Pamela. Thank you so much. And now I can't wait to introduce our third panelist, Ellen Sasson, Automotive Industry Advisor with SAP. And Ellen has sent us a quote from Confucius. Interesting, somebody on the show last week quoted Confucius as well, Ellen. And Confucius, Chinese teacher, editor, politician, and philosopher of the spring and autumn periods of Chinese history, 551 to 479 B.C. They were counting backwards the other way in those days. So here is the quote Ellen has selected. Life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. Ellen Sesson, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Good. Hi, Bonnie. You hear me okay? I sure can. You sound great. So talk to me about the quote. So I'll be honest, that was not my first choice quote, but it was a simpler quote than the quote I wanted to use. I, I had heard an interview with the guy... I don't know if you know who Tim Ferriss is. He has a podcast, but he was interviewing Frank Blake, who was the CEO of Home Depot for eight years. And Frank Blake was talking about simplicity is actually on the other side of complexity. Like you have to go through the complex stuff and then ultimately you come up with a simple answer, a simple direction. And that is leadership to me. It's people who can simplify really hard, complicated, disparate stuff and get you to a simple message, which I also think with what Confucius is saying as well, that you know, ultimately we act according to simple ideas. The complicated stuff, you have to wade through it, but then you get to simplicity on the other side. So that's really the message. And that's Thank true you. in automotive for sure. Yeah, that's what I was getting. And tell us, please, how did you get started in automotive? What's your background? So I have a um, liberal arts degree, and then I went into advertising, copywriting, and then got an MBA at the University of Michigan, and then went to what was then called Anderson Consulting, Accenture, and I did org change, change management for a few years, but not in auto. And then I went to IBM here in Detroit, also in the management consulting team, and ultimately was doing ERP projects, mostly in Ohio, for small uh, plastics manufacturers that were serving the auto industry. And then right around the time I had kids, I, I couldn't be traveling the way I did, so I ended up actually getting to know Meg at IBM and moving into a whole automotive um, industry team at IBM back in 2003. So that, that kind of launched me in auto. And living in Detroit, honestly, there's nothing better than the auto mm-hmm. industry. Thank you very much, ladies. Great opening quotes. And now let's get a little up close and personal. I told you I have two personal quotes when I met all of you on the prep call, but not too personal. So there you go. One and two. Number one, Pamela Niekamp, where are you right now? We'd love to know what part of the country you're calling from. And we'd love to know what kind of drink powers you, Pamela. Could be anything you love to drink or what's right in front of you now. So tell me. (laughs) Um, I am in my home office in Detroit. And what I gave up caffeine years ago, so uh, mostly I stick to to water. And today I have a, a lovely peppermint bark herbal tea that I'm drinking. Oh, that's interesting. What is it? How do you? Uh, is it a bag? Is it a powder? Is it a raw tea? How do you brew it? Yeah, I, well, I, I order it online in bulk uh, because it is uh, kind of hard to find in in you know retail stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have one of those Insta Hots. It's very simple. I plop it in my in my Yeti cup so it stays warm all morning long as long as I want to uh, sip on it. So, 
little bit of history here. We always we try to do a dedication on this show. I know a lot of people are listening. Dave Parrish and Miranda LeBade and Jim Davis, and I think you know all of them. Ellen knows all of them And at SAP. And what's interesting is the person who came to me three years ago to start this series is the late Larry Stoley, who became a good friend to me and, and everybody who knew him. from He was at SAP. And Larry used to drink um, from a Yeti mug, and he was the first one on all of our Game Changers shows, Pamela, to say, I'm drinking from my Yeti bug and I'm having my <laughs> cup of Folgers coffee. And every and Larry was on most of the shows. He was the sponsor and he chose to be on almost all of the panels. So it was a regular thing. And after he passed away suddenly last summer, uh, I did a compilation reel, if you will, uh, as a dedication to him. And I had him saying over and over again, you know, Barney, I'm drinking my Folgers coffee from my Yeti mug. So every time I hear Yeti, I, I smile and I cry a little bit. Real tears missing Larry. So there, there's my little shout out to Larry. I know everybody who's listening will appreciate that. Pamela, thank you very much. I will dry my tears. Meg DeVito, we'd love to know where are you and what are you drinking today? Or what do you love to drink the best? I'll take the latter because <laughs> that's more fun. Um, I'm in Westchester County, New York, um, okay. where um, I moved about 10 years ago, which I cannot believe. I was a Detroiter all the way up until then. Ah. And my most favorite drink um, is champagne. And I, I think it goes with everything. Um, I think Audrey Hepburn agreed with that. And I just think it's, you know, people who know me know that that's what I would choose. And in college... Someone introduced me to this delightful pairing of champagne and hot dogs. And since I'm such a sports nut, I just find that so fun that my two favorite things can be together, even though they're so unlikely. It just makes it so much more interesting. Champagne and hot dogs. That's and do you take the champagne to the ballpark? Are you a, are you a, a New York Mets fan or a Yankees fan? Dare I ask? Detroit Tigers, through and through. Detroit Tigers, you brought them with you. Tell me something, any special kind of hot dog and any special kind of champagne? We really need to know. Well, Moet Chandon was always my favorite, um, but, you know, they kind of have petered out. So basically anything, right? I'm not that much of a, you know, a zealot over one way or the other. And for me, just a good old American hot dog just means uh, my childhood. Okay, very good to know. Thank you very much. I was wondering if it was a kosher hot dog or a Nathan's hot dog or anything like that. We'll just go with good old-fashioned hot dog. Thank you very much. Do you put sauerkraut on it, Mustard, or are you one of those people who still insists on You put ketchup on it? Nope, just uh, that was so a sauerkraut new- and mustard and onions, so it's really, really good. And in Ooh. fact, Detroit has a new dog called Ode to Detroit Dog, so that is kind of interesting that we just had at the ballpark last week when we came for opening day, and it's supposed to be like, it, it was in food and wine, so you might want to go check that out. And what is it called now, Ode to? Detroit Dog. Oh, to Detroit Dog. I will take a look at that when I get a chance. Oh, to Detroit Dog. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you very much for the smiles on that one, Meg. And Ellen Sasson, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink in the whole world that powers you? So I am in Detroit today. And I, I know this is so, I guess, simple, which is, I guess, my theme. But Costco mm-hmm. has a brand called Kirkland, Pacific yes. Bold carrot coffee cups. I, I used to only drink Starbucks. It's like a Starbucks French roast, Italian roach, a- mm-hmm. Italian roast or Verona, kind of heavy, strong, black coffee. But then I found this at, at Costco. So it's called Pacific Bold Kirkland. And I have one a day because that's about all I can handle without, you know, bouncing off the ceiling. So I do one a day. <laughs> <for that. laughs> 
Funny story. Somebody was on a show a couple, oh, about a month ago. A gentleman from SAP was calling in from Germany, and he told me he was drinking mushroom coffee. And, of course, we were all kind of gagging at the thought of that. He sent me through inter-office mail thinking I was still in New York. I'd been here in Durham for, for eight months thinking I worked in the New York office at Hudson Yards at SAP. He sent through an inter-office envelope. You all remember those, the envelope with the string and the little circle that ties it together and the holes in it? He sent me a packet of mushroom coffee. Well, I got an, a connect, a, uh, an email from the receptionist at Hudson Yards. I said, Bonnie, we have a package for you. I said, I'm not there. So they FedExed it to me, and it looks like a tea bag package. It says mushroom coffee. It has lion's mane and something called chaga, C-H-A-G-A. And the reason I'm telling you this, Ellen, is that I contacted the, the man who sent it to me, Andreas Fischer, and I said, uh, how do I use it? He said, well, be very careful. It's so loaded with caffeine. You can only have one a day. And and it's so powerful. It's just going to burn you when you drink it the first time, but you'll get used to it. So P.S., the packet is sitting here in a bowl with some marbles and decor- decorative uh, uh, floral arrangement marbles. And every time I have company, which is frequently, everybody says, what is this? I say, well, it's a packet of mushroom coffee and I'm not drinking it. Do you want it? And so far, no takers. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But talking about caffeine, guess what, ladies? They do not let me have anything with caffeine on radio show days. And this is Tuesday. So I have two shows an hour apart. You're my first show of the week. So just cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug, and I've got a green straw because the gardens are starting to bloom here in Durham. Uh, we have a, about a 30-degree temperature variance day to day. Started out in the low 40s. It's going to be in the mid to high 70s today, so you just never know what weather we're going to get. But water is what wets my whistle and keeps me with a cool, clear head. Caffeine would not be a good idea. We're talking today about a very interesting topic. Women take the wheel in all kinds of ways, transforming the automotive ecosystem. Three very powerful ladies with tremendous histories in automotive, Pamela Niekamp, Meg DeVito, Ellen Sasson. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dig into a very, very powerful roundtable. Pamela Niekamp will start us off. We've got some interesting facts and figures here about women in the U.S. labor force and comparatively in the automotive workforce. You may be surprised, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. 90 seconds. Count them along with us. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. Here we go, future of cars. Welcome back. I'm Bonnie DeGram with the powerhouse of women in the automotive industry. But before we get started on our roundtable, I just want to do a shout out to Bill Newman, who says, uh, Megan DeVito, he says, I completely agree. If I could have champagne or any sparkling wine in my glass in the morning of my workday, I would. Cheers. And he's got a picture of, uh, looks like... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in a tux. Looks like on New Year's Eve. Very, very interesting. And uh, who was it who mentioned the ode to dog? Ladies, who was who was, was that? Was that um, I did, Meg DeVito. Meg, I thought so. Meg, there are YouTubes about this. Uh, there is an article in the Ballpark Digest. There is a one-click daily comment on it. And uh, here is one from Reddit. It's No, no, I want to read a different one. Um, this one says uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, they have an apple pie egg roll that could still get the job, job done. For those who cannot go to a game without consuming a hot dog, and we don't blame you, the Tigers will have the new ode to Detroit dog. It's a hot dog smothered in brisket, chili, and habanero queso cheese sauce. Do you eat it that way, Meg? I tried it. It's not so for me. But since it was brand new, I had to give it a whirl. <laughs> You are a brave lady. I applaud that. Thank you very much. Pamela Niekamp at Nielsen is going to start off our roundtable. Pamela told me the following. Here are some numbers we promised you. Quote, while women make up 47% of the total U.S. labor force, they account for only 24% of the automotive workforce, according to a 2015 study by Deloitte. And with a few notable exceptions, like Mary Barra, who was the CEO of GM, there are still far fewer women in senior leadership roles in automotive than even these numbers would suggest. Pamela, please tell us more. Very provocative. Yeah, you know, I was um, shocked at myself when I looked at those statistics. I I mean, I assumed that there weren't as many women in uh, the automotive um, industry as as in other industries, but to to learn that it's it's basically half, even today, you know, is very shocking to me. Um, and as far as Mary Barra, I, I, I saw her speak um, a few years ago at a, a National Automobile Dealers Association event, and I had a very visceral, um, emotional response that took me by surprise, quite frankly. And uh, I just realized in that instant that it was the first time in my nearly 30 years in the automotive uh, uh, arena that I had seen someone that very much like myself, she's not... Uh, we're close to the same age. I mean, you know, we've had similar backgrounds in terms of, you know, starting our careers with automotive companies. And to see her in that role um, was just uh, um, groundbreaking for me to realize that someone like me, you know, could ascend to the role of CEO of one of the largest companies in the world. Um, I can't explain it other than to say it was just, you know, the first time it had ever happened. And I, and I think... Um, until that happens to you, you don't understand that in some cases you have to see it to believe it. Um, and the fact that there, uh, there was a Boss Magazine article um, last year, late last year, that said at a couple of the Japanese OEMs, there are almost no women in executive or director roles. I mean, in this day and age, to me, that's just shocking. And that the, the numbers are still just far lower um, than they should be by all rights, even when you assume that 25% uh, women in the industry. It just, to me, it, it means that the automotive companies are missing out 
um, on women leaders and that they need to do far, far more to rectify the situation than just let, you know, let it happen naturally. Pamela, do you think STEM education will help that? Just quick response from you. Thoughts? Um, I'm not so sure. Okay. That you just wanted to bring at that least as, as far as the leadership roles go. I mean, maybe getting more women into the industry at, you know, at the lower rungs, yes, but as far as at the leadership roles, uh, that would take a long time to trickle down. Interesting. Meg DeVito, love to get your thoughts on this very provocative uh, it, it, situation we're talking about of the disparity of not enough women are automotive and certainly not rising to the top. So, Meg, what do you think? I just think when we all kind of entered the industry in the late 80s and early 90s, it, it just wasn't a, an industry that was done, right, that, for women. And it, it is a shame, but it just wasn't done. And it wasn't encouraged. And, you know, we weren't encouraged to try something new and break out of what we were, you know, maybe comfortable in. And if you didn't grow up in a family that had cars, you know, that, that enthusiasts and dads that wanted you to know how to change a tire and know how to change oil or a brother or an uncle, then you just kind of shied away from it as something that was hard and complicated. And it's far from that. It's an exciting industry. It's one of the, the cornerstones of our country. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's something that, you know, we do need to do better and we need to break through. I think it, though, starts with going to the lower levels and having those, you know, mentor those women to get to leadership roles. And while I would like us just to put women in leadership roles right away because there are so many out there that could plug in very quickly and make a huge difference with their styles, I do think it's a two-pronged problem, right? One, one is that, getting more in today that are, that are there and participating and qualified, then bringing more in through STEM programs so that we don't have this problem in 10 years, 20 years. Interesting. Thank you very much. Ellen Sesso, let's get your point of view in here, please. All right, so I'm going to take the opposite tact here because I, I have been impressed with how many women there are at very senior levels. And Pamela and I met through an organization called the Automotive Women's Alliance. And I think back to the women that, you know, we, we would host events and have people like Sue Unger, who at the time was the CIO of Daimler Chrysler, or Kathleen Lagaki, who was running Tower Automotive, or even today, um, Pamela, when you talk about Asian automakers, Sue, there's a woman named Susan Elkington, who's the, the head of Toyota North America Motors Manufacturing. She runs the largest plant that Toyota has and is down in Kentucky. So I do think, or Mary Bear is another example, or um, Marcy, who is a CIO at Ford. There are women who, who have broken through, who I think open a door for every other woman that follows. And, and that goes back to 2003 when we were running Automotive Women's Alliance. So, so I, I guess I take a counter view here. Interesting. Could, Pamela, could I'm going to circle around. That, Ellen? It, yeah, sure. We know Please. all those women, right? We, we absolutely know all those women, and they're powerful, great role models for us all and future generations. There should be more than a handful. Fair. Cut. Fair? I agree. should be more. Okay, so I'm going to pose a question around the table before I move to some comments, some topics from Meg's list. The question is, as we move to the world of self-driving automotive, autonomous cars, uh, will that change in the industry and the style of of how we see transportation, whether we own our own cars, whether we share cars, the sharing economy, et cetera, et cetera. Will that create some openings where, uh, and pardon me for saying this, 
maybe the OEMs and the everybody will say, oh, we could really use a woman's touch. Please forgive me for that. We could use a woman's touch in this. Let's promote a couple of women up to a higher level because they'll know more about how to design a car for comfort and for uh, better engineering for the people who sit in the car and don't have to drive. It, and I hope I'm not going off into a, a deep ditch on this one. But ladies, let's go around the table quickly. Do you think that will open up more opportunities or has nothing to do with it? Pamela? Um, I think that what will open up more opportunities is just thinking about the automotive industry from a different perspective, right? It's not just about, you know, producing automobiles. I mean, it's now much more, more broad than that, right? It's, it's, it's transportation via any Mm -hmm. mode. It's, it's ride sharing and some of the OEMs, you know, as we know, have branched out into these other areas and that kind of expands the concept of what the automotive industry has historically been. So I think that will draw in new talent and, and require new leadership styles rather than, you know, just one specific type of, of, of vehicle. Thank you. You hit a lot of high points there. Meg, thoughts on that? I think that with the technology changing and the way in which the worlds are looking at cars, I mean, more people are moving into towns, you know, into big cities. Mm-hmm. People are looking at cars like assets. You know, it's not like when, when I turned 16, I couldn't wait to get behind the wheel and get my license. Today, people are having a very different view about their relationship with the car. And because of that, new features are going to need to come in. And you mentioned a lot of them with autonomous vehicles and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the connectedness of it all. I think it really opens itself up to bringing in new thinking and people who have talent and areas that are complementary to automotive and integrating them in. So that have more of that, you know, autonomous, you know, experience with mines or in different relatable industries, but bringing them in so that the thinking kind of becomes expanded. I think that would open it up if the industry is willing to let in, you know, outsiders and new thinkers to develop these new concepts quicker. Thank you. Very interesting. Ellen Sasson, thoughts on this? Uh, First off, I, I think the industry doesn't have a choice, that the high-tech world is, is definitely merging with the auto industry. So the West Coast, Silicon Valley with Detroit is, is where it's all headed. Um, and as I was thinking about it, but Silicon Valley doesn't have the greatest reputation either for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, So both these industries, I, I, I hate to sound so, so negative on women, but they could choose to stay, right? I mean, I do think that, that women leave work sometimes when maybe they shouldn't and maybe they need to rethink, you know, staying engaged because, because I really do think, and this is what, to what you said, Meg, you've got the idea, there's so much happening so fast and people that can lead teams and develop software and lead testing. And that could be anyone, man or woman, just, you got to stick with it. You can't, you can't bow out. You got to be part of it. And it's, it's, it's happening fast. So, well, Thank you, ladies, for, for going around on that one. Uh, I want to go to something. I think that's a perfect segue. I am HO to the first statement Meg DeVito sent me. Meg, let's talk about this. You said, in 2001, Volvo Car decided to have a concept vehicle designed by all Volvo women engineers for women. The vehicle went to market in 2004 after introduction in the Geneva Automotive Show that year and had one of Volvo's strongest followings. The only guideline the women engineers were given was to design to the most demanding premium customer who was the independent professional woman. And Marty Barletta, an American expert on female preferences, female customer preferences, was invited into the early design concept and said, if you meet the expectations of women, you exceed 
the expectations of men. This is so loaded here, Meg. Meg, talk to me about this. Very interesting. Go ahead. What do you think? I have always loved this. This this was something near and dear to me because it just shows that when the 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 company, in this case Volvo, they put their customers first, can really do a lot and make a big difference. So at the core of this, you know, is is not necessarily that it was a woman team of women engineers. It was that the need was their growing population of women, their growing population of independent professional women that needed a car more designed to what they expected and really for having high-end premium things in so that they could enjoy their experience while they led these busy lives. So they put the customer first, and then they decided to say, okay, well, who would know women better than women? So let's do this groundbreaking, you know, kind of approach by bringing all of our women, best of the best in Volvo engineering together to create this and bring these features together. It really, though, is about the client first. Then it happened to be that that client, you know, their customer was the, the was a female buyer. And then they started to really get onto something and really started to say, we can do this. And, and women know women. And that quote, I think, is wonderful because they're saying women are, are harder to please when when it comes to features and functions than men. I thought that was just so interesting. And if you look at that, I think that they are, I think we are, right? We have families. We, we may not have families. If we have families and we have demanding careers and, you know, we are so many things to so many people that when we get into our vehicle, we want to be pampered. We want to have things that make our life easier. And so having this focus really propelled them into a whole new space that was a very successful vehicle program and one that was really a great case study for us to hone in on that kind of focus. Very interesting. We're, we're talking about a whole level here of uh, the industry's perception of women as customers and as designers and of, as consultants. Ellen Sasson, love to get your thoughts on this. What do you think? Well, I, I love the story. I think that's, that's such a great story. And I think if you just think about retail in general, women do most of the buying, right? We, that's, I, I think, a known fact. So, so it, it makes sense that automakers would be designing for women drivers. Who, who tend to buy and influence many decisions. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's interesting that Volvo did that, such a um, proactive, safety-focused company designing for women, which I think speaks a lot to family and quality experiences. That I, I think that's really neat. And then, and then to back it up with an all-women engineering team, I think that's fascinating, too. We haven't seen a lot of that. I'd like to see more of that. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Let's circle around to Pamela Niekamp. Pamela, thoughts? Well, I kind of just uh, where Ellen left off, so why aren't more auto companies doing this or following the lead of Volvo? I was not aware of, hadn't heard of that particular uh, vehicle or that, that story. I think it's fascinating. And <clears throat> I would expect more OEMs to, to follow the lead of Volvo. So I think we have to ask ourselves the question, why haven't they? Absolutely. And I don't and have that's... the answer to that question. And you know That's something? Right. This is back in 2001, 2004. Let's do the math. That's 14 years ago. That's a lifetime. Look at what's happened in the industry in all that time. Meg, anything you want to add to wrap this up before I look at some notes here from Ellen? I think it typifies what Ellen said before. We need more, right? And and we need to make sure that, you know, we are fostering this kind. I mean, you're right. 2001 is a lifetime ago. And so mm-hmm. it, I think it's up to all of us who participate in the industry where we can to create opportunities where this is not an anomaly. It's the, it's the norm. 
Thank you very much. Uh, I, Ellen, Hi, I'm I looking at... Yeah, Can I have sure. one more comment on that? You I, certainly I just, may. There's another interesting uh, women's story, which is Zipcar, which I only learned about recently, was created, I think, 2003, 2004, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, by two women who came up with this idea that maybe you just rent a car for an hour or however, you know, and that whole world has now progressed. So Zipcar, which is now owned by Hertz, was a female-started business. Just want to throw that out. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking here. It's, it was founded in 2000 in Cambridge. You're absolutely right. And the parent organization is now Avis Budget Group. The founders oh. were Robin Chase and Antja, A-N-T-J-E, Danielson. Very, very interesting. Let me see if I can do a quick look up here on Robin Chase. Uh, transportation entrepreneur, co-founder and former CEO of Zipcar, the largest car sharing company in the world. She's also a co-founder of V-E-N-I-A-M, Venium, a network company that moves terabytes of data between vehicles and the cloud. Her recent book is Peers, Inc., How People and Platforms Are Inventing, and I'm running out of space here on um, on my Wikipedia lookup. She was educated at the MIT Sloan School of Management, Wellesley College, and MIT. Well, that's a force of nature, isn't she? Robin Chase. So we could all look her up and take a look. Thank you for that reference. Very interesting. Um, I actually have met her. She's really fascinating, and that book is excellent because it talks about thinking differently in industries and creating things out of nothing. I think that was a really good example, Ellen. Disruptor, disruptor. Ellen, I'm, I'm going to talk to you now. Uh, I'm looking at your notes here. You have a comment here about friendship. And this is something we haven't touched about. We're talking about automotive industry and women getting opportunities and women being called on to design special things. Uh, you talk about friendship and you say the biggest benefit related to women in the industry for you, Ellen Sassone, is friendship. You've made two of your best friends. And we're talking to both ladies, Pamela and Meg, here on the show through the pursuit of automotive industry opportunities in Detroit. And let me read the next sentence. You say, years ago, I heard a very senior woman executive say, the Detroit-based auto industry is a locker room and players just jump from team to team. So let's talk about camaraderie and friendship. How important is it in the industry, Ellen? Well, I think it's, it's exceptionally important. Um, and when I talked before about staying, you know, staying in, in your job and continuing it, it, you know, a lot of it is luck and, and good fortune to have a great boss, but it's also, I think, the friendships that you make, which are different, right, men and women friendships. Women, women friendships, I, I feel like they last a lot longer. They're just more honest and pure, and I, I have two sons, so let me just say that I, you know, watch two boys grow up and, and play sports, and, and the, the bonding that goes on when you're on a sports team is pretty intense, and those guys stay friends forever, and I feel like you know, Meg and Pamela and other women I've met along the way, it's different than, like, the moms that you meet because you're raising kids together. That's a different friendship than, than actually, like, being on the front lines, you know, under pressure, trying to make money, trying to make deadlines, trying to make quota. That's, that's a, a more, I think, for me, like a better bonding because we're really all focused on being the best we can be as opposed to raising children, which is also important, but a different responsibility. So, so that's why I put friendship in there. Friendship. Let's go around the table, see what your two friends on the show have to say. <laughs> so, Pamela, no pressure. Pamela Niekamp, talk to us. What do you think about the value of friendship in the industry, uh, women, women, friendships in the automotive, the, the, the strength, how that carries you through in the career, the camaraderie, opportunities opening up, yes or no? Thoughts, Pamela? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a fascinating topic and one I really hadn't, 
thought about until um, you just uh, said it. And I think it's it's so true, and it has played out for me in, in my life as well. Um, in fact, um, I'm on the board of directors of a nonprofit called Impact 100 Oakland County, and it was uh, co-founded. Uh, the president and founder was a, a former colleague of mine from my Chrysler days. Uh, she's an engineer and now retired and wanting to put her expertise and her skills and, and now her you know <laughs> newfound time to good use by um, working, you know, providing grants to non-deserving nonprofits right here in our own community. And so she pulled me in and several others that we had worked with in the past. And this group has, you know, done great things just in the past two years. We gave out uh, two $100,000 grants in 2017 and are building on that for 2018. And those are all, that's all based on the friendships that I developed in my years in the automotive uh, community and, and the friends that I've you know, stayed in touch with over the years. So I really think there's a lot of truth to uh, what Ellen has to say, and it can play out in, in unexpected ways. Unexpected ways. That's the surprises of our careers, aren't they? Meg DeVito, I'd love to get your thoughts, please. I think with it, there being a smaller number than we would like of females in automotive, I think the bond is key and important for us from a support structure, an encouragement structure, and from a network that we can learn from and propel all of us further in the industry. So I think that that, if I wove that into the friendship, I think it even makes it more special because, you know, we, we need to rely on each other, you know, and we need to, you know, be able to share and be open about the challenges, but about the victories and excitements. And I think that that kind of allows us to become a better version of ourselves, but also support other people and the like. Thank you very much. Good topic around the table there. Ellen, anything you want to wrap up on that before I move to something else from Pamela's list? Ellen? I, I, I was just going to say, Meg, if you remember, I met you. You hosted a women IBM event at your house. That's right. That's <laughs> how so we became friends. So that's yeah, right. I, I, it's the <laughs> truth. That's how it works. There, there's um, the truth. That's all we're talking about is the truth. Uh, <laughs> Pamela, I'm looking at your notes here. We have, oh, just a couple minutes before we go to predictions, but I want to mention this. You say many companies embrace the concept of employee resource groups or ERGs. They enable employees who share similar traits to come together in a work-sanctioned environment to share their experiences. Talk to me about how this is working pro or con in automotive. Pamela? Yeah, well, it's interesting, Megan. Uh, Ellen just gave an example of that, where the women in IBM group uh, came mm-hmm. together at Meg's house. Uh, that's a perfect example of an employee resource group. They might not have called it that, but in action, right? And it's now the case that most OEMs have these types of organizations. And I think in the past, um, women might have shied away from involving themselves in these organizations from fear of being labeled, oh, you know, that's the women's group, or oh, you know, I don't need that. Um, but in fact, it's been my experience that these groups have been incredibly helpful uh, for me personally and in my career and for others. Um, I know they've given me opportunities to meet uh, senior level executives at the, the various companies that I've worked for that I never would have had exposure to otherwise. Um, many of these ERGs offer uh, mentoring and sponsorship opportunities to their participants. So there's another value there. And then Finally, I think a great way that an ERG can be uh, um, make a real uh, contribution is that it's often a place where women can freely speak about things that the company can do to make a better environment uh, for female employees. And to the extent that the companies are willing to listen to that and take action on that, 
ultimately it makes the company better and stronger and and a better uh, workplace for the employees. So it's a win-win. Thank you. Speaking of win-win, Meg, I'd love to get your thoughts on ERGs and then briefly, Ellen, and then we will roll around the table back to Pamela for our predictions round. Meg, ERGs, good or bad? Pamela, I just really liked what you said about opportunity because I think that those groups do give us an, an ability to, to find out where the needs are in the company, maybe to find out where our next position could be. It really does open up a lot of doors for the participants of those groups. So I think that, you know, you're right. I think it was kind of shied away from in the past, but I think that all of us, we need to encourage more of the development of those groups and the population of the groups. Thank you very much. Ellen Sasson, quick comments? I would just agree with both. It's, it's an important, like, great companies offer that sort of experience because, because there's great people in the company that want that. And, and if, if anyone's out there looking for a job, you want to work for a company that fosters that sort of uh, network and, and really kind of helps you explore, to your point, Meg, what's out there? What else is out? This is what I'm doing today. What am I going to be doing in five years? And, and those are the best companies to work for. There you go. I'm going to circle back around to Pamela Neekamp. My, the time goes fast. I have a prediction before we start our formal prediction round. Prediction is that I'm going to offer Pamela Neekamp, Meg DeVito, and Ellen Sassone the opportunity to do part two of this topic on our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, this summer. I'll send you a date after the show, and I hope you'll accept my invitation because we have so much more to talk about. That is our biggest audience of all, and I know they would love to hear you. So just quickly, will you accept my invitation, Pamela? Absolutely. Meg? Yes, thank you. Ellen? Of course, thank you. <laughs> no pre- no pressure, nothing like being pressured on live radio. So now we're ready for your own predictions. That was mine. Pamela Neekamp, I can give you 60 seconds. What's going to happen at some point in the future? It could be tomorrow, next week, 2020, 2025, as Barbara Walters used to say, 2020. I never got that earworm out of my head. What's going to happen to change this concept we're talking about today? Women take the wheel, transforming the automotive I'll say workforce and ecosystem. 60 seconds. Ms. Niekamp, you're up. Go. Well, I hope this comes true. I hope that as the OEMs and the auto uh, suppliers embrace the new technologies that we talked about earlier in the call, that ultimately they will be transformed and that they will become, the auto industry will become an employer of choice for the young tech-savvy men and women coming out of school today. I like that. Very, very open, very forward-looking, very positive, tech-savvy. I like that, too. I think we're going to see more and more of that, STEM or not STEM. Uh, Meg DeVito, I have 90 seconds for you because Pamela was so concise and to the point. So, Meg, 90 seconds. What do you predict? Um, We know mobility is a given. We're going to see the connected vehicle. And with mobility, though, I think there's a lot of use cases that people don't talk about that are the most important. Mobility for people in groups that haven't been able to be mobile, elderly, disabled, um, you know, you know, people who are, can't see and can't drive. But they, this is a group of people that do need to be mobile. And having autonomous vehicles in the future will give uh, ability for those 
people in our communities to have more fulfilling lives and do greater things because they're able to do it. And I think that by harnessing the women of the industry to focus on those maybe not as sexy use cases, but really vital use cases because they tend to be the caregiver of our society and those places in society, that that will give way for breakthrough of, autom- of, of females in automotive, but breakthrough of those use cases that are really vital for our society. Thank you very much. I like that. And let's go to Ellen Sassone. Ellen, they were so brief and to the point. We can give you two minutes. Would you like that? That's the longest predictions we've ever been able to give anybody on the show. Usually works the other way. The first two guests take a long time and the last one gets less. So, Ellen, I'm going to honor you with two minutes for your prediction. What do you see? Well, I have two, I have two data point, or two predictions. One is I, I do think the, the merger of high tech and automotive is only going to continue. It's only going to grow. And, and that the opportunities for, for women, for anyone really, who, who, who are creative, who think about both the consumer experience as well as the manufacturing experience, there's, the opportunities are only going to increase, but, but it's a fast-changing world and you kind of have to continually educate yourself and figure out what do I need to know to be relevant in this in this situation. So you have to love to learn and you have to love to experiment and grow. And, and with, with the technology that exists today, the speed of trying things is faster and faster, which is a good thing for the right personality. I mean, I, I, I think the younger people I know, that that's what they grew up doing, right, uh, on the Internet 24-7. So, so I think it's, it's going to keep attracting young, good talent into the industry. And then secondly, I just want to make a, a plug for Detroit, which I'm surprised mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I did move out east for a while and I also love the West. But I would hope that, that the Midwest still stays like a power player in the, the evolution of the industry, that, that we're still a place where, where things get done and tried out and that, that the world doesn't move on without us. So that's my wish because I do think... All of us, Pamela, myself, Meg, we're all from here, or Pamela's from Ohio, but, but there's something special about being a Midwesterner, and I'd like to see that continue into the evolution of the auto industry. Well, I think with powerful people like the three of you, that's definitely going to happen. I have a quick bonus round here. I don't know if you're comfortable with this, ladies, but let me go first, Pamela, then Meg, and then Ellen, quickly. If you could become the chief designer or CEO of any automobile company today, what would that company be or would it be your own? Pamela? Hmm, that's a great one. FCA. Okay. Chrysler Automobile. (laughs) Meg, what would you, what would you, where would you want to lead? I would want to lead for a startup that has new breakthrough technology that the automotive industry can't live without. Oh, that's interesting. I think every company wishes that. Okay, very interesting. And uh, Ellen Sasson, what would you want to lead? I would like to be with Elon Musk and Tesla. I, I, I just think that the, the stuff they're doing, not just on this planet, but going to Mars, that's a pretty exciting place to be. 
Absolutely. Thank you, ladies, for indulging my uh, my sidebar question here. I have another prediction. I said I only have the one. You're all coming back. But at 12 noon today, Eastern Time here, I'll be back on the air with another live show called Startup Focus with Game Changers. Speaking of startups, whoever mentioned, be speaking with Guillaume Wallin, who is the founder and co-lead of a company called Indigo Connected Retail, along with Steve Ritzke at SAP. And our topic is Digital Shopping Era. Clicks versus bricks, rescuing brick and mortar. Very interesting topic. So I want to thank my three special panelists, Pamela Niekamp, Meg DeVito, and Ellen Sasson. I want to thank Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com, the business channel. And here's my shout-out. And, of course, RIP Larry Stoley. Here's my shout-out also to Miranda LeBate for putting together this extraordinary panel on short notice. Miranda, you really rocked this one. You drove it home, Miranda. There's a driving uh, <laughs> driving for and uh, Dave Parrish, of course, for sponsoring. So fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Pamela Niekamp, just like Meg DeVito, just like Ellen Sasson. Do it. Talk to you in an hour. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.